So there's a parable that starts with these words. A farmer went out to scatter some seed. And that begins a story that Jesus tells that we started talking about last week. And we're going to continue to deeply look at for the next few weeks. A farmer went out to scatter some seed. Um, last week, Daniel, our other pastor, talked about this idea of what the seed actually is and how it is the Word of God, the truth of the good news that sinks down into our heart and takes root. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the soil. Jesus talks about all different types of ways for us to receive the good news and our response to it. And he also talks about the fruitfulness of the way we receive the good news. He says that uh, you can expect a fruitful harvest of a uh, hundred times of what was planted. And we're going to talk about those things. But what we want to talk about this morning is this idea that a farmer is the one that scatters the seed. And I think when we read parables that Jesus told, we go into to them with an idea of who is me? Who am I in this story? And a lot of times we put ourselves in a position that we are the ones who, who make the fruit happen. And it's very clear, Jesus explains later in the story, that the, the farmer uh, is God. He plants the seed. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because we have to understand that without the farmer, this story doesn't happen. Um, in 2011, Starbucks rehired their original CEO um, and he came in and made a, a lot of changes. For a period of time, they stopped making uh, breakfast sandwiches because they didn't want the smell of the cheese to overpower the smell of the coffee. They closed down a lot of stores because they weren't making as good a coffee as they wanted them to. Um, they closed all of their stores for a day in order to retrain all of their uh, workers to make the drinks the specific way they're supposed to make them. And uh, what Howard Schultz, the CEO, said is, we did all this because we wanted to make sure that people knew that without coffee, Starbucks is not a Starbucks. It is the coffee that is the most important thing. And as we talk about the story deeply, the farmer is the most important thing. He is the one that plants the seed in the first place. And we need to remember that. And of course, I think a lot of us would say that we can't do anything without God in our lives. But no matter where we are on our journey in life, there's always this place where we, we put all of the effort onto our own shoulders, all the outcome onto our own, own shoulders, and we forget that it's God who does 
the work. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning in Deuteronomy 8. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. You can borrow it, keep it. We'd love for you to have it. They're in English and Spanish. By the way, if you want to practice a different language, I would suggest taking a Bible home that is not in the language that you speak. That's been a really good thing for me is to read the Bible in Spanish. It's helped a bunch. Um, Deuteronomy 8 is where we're going to be. We're going to start in verse 6. Let's pray before we get there. God, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for little things like the sunshine and how, um, how for a lot of us, that just changes our mood and the way we go about the day. Uh, so we, we thank you for that. Um, we thank you for this story and how a story about a farmer uh, thousands of years ago still connects with us. And so as we talk about specifically you as the farmer, help us to be uh, aware of your role and what you do in our lives and our lives together. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 6, says this. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and, with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as a stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So this part of the Bible is a part of the story of Israel where they're about to enter into the land that God has given them. So if you're familiar with the story of Israel, God's people, they were slaves in Egypt in Exodus. They are released from slavery with the promise that they will one day enter into a land of their own, uh, a land that has lots of good things in it already, and a land that they can call their own, where they can build homes and live there for generations to come. This is the promise that God gives to his people. And they've been wandering around after slavery for 40 years. They've been wandering around in the desert. They've been uh, building tents and living in the tent for a day, uh, a few weeks, maybe a couple months. But after that, they just keep on moving around from place to place. They go to other places all the time. They have no home to call their own. And then God tells them, after 40 years walking around, you are about to have a house that you can build and then you can um, live in on your own. 
And there's going to be gold here. There's going to be silver. There's going to be big giant fields where you can uh, like let uh, all your livestock and which is like money to these people like thousands of years ago that you can have everything that you ever dreamed for dreamed of they're about to have a life that they never thought was possible and their life is about to be better than they've ever had before so this is a good thing for them and God tells them about the land but he also says when you go into the land make sure you remember me and what I've done for you in the past. And we would say, of course, Israel should do that. We should do that. But it's very common that we get to a point where we can remember the struggle that we got through. But when we get to a place where we're a little more comfortable, we sort of um, forget that we need God. You see this. All, all the time when people are talking about the things that they've been through in the past. So when someone graduates, they talk about all of the effort they put into studying and the papers they wrote and the uh, projects they had to do. And they, it's a celebration. It's a remembrance of all they have, have been through. Um, when a writer publishes a, a book, all of the time spent pounding away on a keyboard um, when an athlete wins a championship or uh, an award, they, a lot of NBA players say, we started at the bottom, but now here we are. You know, it's this recognition of all the things they did to get there. And this happens in every area of life. When a house is built, when an, an addict becomes sober, when um, a, a project gets finished, there is a period where people reflect back on the things that they had to go through to get where they are uh, and the struggle they had to go through and the work that they had to put in. And that's true. We should remember the, the things that we did to get where we are. And you don't really achieve anything in life without working for it and going through some struggles. It happens for all of us. If you're going to accomplish anything worth doing in life, you're going to go through a struggle. That's just the reality of what it means to be a human. This is true both in regular everyday life. This is true also in the spiritual life. But the problem is sometimes we get to a point where things are, are okay or we're doing much better than we were before. And not only do we forget the struggle that we went through, but we forget that God was with us in the struggle and he's with us uh, in the victory as well. There's uh, research among all different countries that says uh, the countries with the largest percentage of atheists are countries where there's a lot of wealth. There are people doing well and look, there's all kinds of reasons why people may not believe in God. And so I don't want to oversimplify and say that when you become wealthy, you become an atheist, because that's not true. But I think it's pretty clear that atheism is, a, is an advantage. It's a, it's a privilege. It, 
It happens to people when they get to a certain place where they don't feel like they need God anymore. Because if you have everything you need, well, who needs God to help me through when all the bills are paid and I'm healthy and um, things are going well for me? And this is what God reminds the people not to do. He says, when you get to this land, I don't want you to think that you've done it on your own. I don't want you to forget me. And he goes on further to tell them just how painful it would be if they do forget him. So let's read in verse 11 in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 18. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herd have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order for, to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Is what it says. God reminds his people that once they've made it to the mountaintop, to not ever forget that he is still with them and you cannot make it through this life without him. Um, I am fascinated by explorers, explorers from a long time ago, like Lewis and Clark and uh, this Antarctic explorer named Ernest Shackleton. But I'm also fascinated with people who do explorations now so mountain climbers and, um, you know, mountaineers, uh, people who uh, cross Antarctica by themselves, do crazy things like that. Um, there, there's a statistic that I find fascinating among mountaineers, though, is that 75% of all mountaineering accidents happen on the way down after you reach the summit. It's much harder to get to the top physically. It takes much more work because you're going up. But most of the accidents happen on the way down. There's a number of reasons for that. But one of the biggest reasons, and probably the biggest reason, is because after people see the summit, they get sort of lazy on the way back down. They think, I've done all the work that needs to be done, and now I can kind of coast on the way back down. 80% of Everest deaths have happened on the way back down. Um, uh, almost all of K2, the second largest peak in the world, 
almost all of the deaths that happened have come on the way down because people get to the summit, they see what they have come to see, and then they forget there's still work to be done on the way down. And this is what God tells his people is that you need to be aware that you'll get to a place where I have given you all that you've ever wanted and more, and you'll forget me. The temptation will be for you to forget me, and that's when it's dangerous. In verse 11, he says, that is the time to be careful. Do not forget me. I am the one who gives you the power to be successful. Do not forget. Now, we can say this and sort of in our head agree to it, but it's much harder to put this into practice in our everyday life. Because if we have hard times, I don't care where you are in your faith, a lot of times you will go to God. Um, you will, if you're sick or you, if you have a, a large debt that you didn't see coming or if um, you lose your job or you have problems with a relationship or a family member or a close friend, that's when we're, we'll open our Bibles and say, God, give me a verse right now, like send it down from heaven and show me what I need to do. We will not hesitate to go to God when things are rough in life. But it's much harder for us to do it when we're on the top of the mountain. And we can look back and say God delivered us, and we can give him credit, but so often we fail to even spend time with him when things are going good, and we start to put it in our own hands and think, oh, I got here. And God reminds all of his people, this is the most dangerous thing you can do, is just to say, I, I've got this. I did this. So God reminds them of the fact that they were slaves in Egypt. The fact that they were in a hot and dry land, dying of thirst, and he made water pour out from a rock. The fact that they had nothing to eat, and he literally made food fall from the sky. Don't forget all of these things, God tells them, because now I'm going to give you everything you ever dreamed for, every, everything you've ever dreamed of, and you're going to be so tempted to forget that this is all because of me. A few weeks ago, we had a men's retreat among our family of churches, and I go to bed early, and I get up early. Um, even if I don't go to bed early, I, I still get up early. And it, when I get up early, I'm used to being sort of the only person in the room. Or, uh, you know, if sometimes I'll go for runs in the morning. I'm the only person in town, it feels like, because I'm up really early in the mornings. Um, so the morning of the men's retreat, I got up. I walked into this kitchen expecting to be by myself. Uh, and there's a guy from our church who's sitting and he's reading the Bible. And this is before 6 a.m. And um, I'm sort of, sort of surprised because just because, again, I don't see that many people up early in the morning. Um, but when he gets done, we start talking. And he starts telling me all the things that God has done in his life. About how he hasn't taken a drink in years 
and how God has blessed his family in ways that he cannot even explain and telling me about his job and how much the, he loves the work he does. And he's showing me pictures of all of the different things, projects he's been working on for work and just all of the things that God has done. And he just keeps saying, uh, glory to God, thank God, over and over and over. And I thought it was really interesting that uh, his life had sort of turned out in ways that he could not ever imagine. But on a morning where it's totally okay, because on this men's retreat we had plenty of times where we were talking about God, it's totally okay to just kind of go through the motions and sleep in and not worrying about opening the scriptures. That's what he's doing. Because he wants to be aware and mindful of even in the good times, God is still with me and he makes all of this happen. And we, we, we're going to talk about this parable that Jesus gives of the farmer scattering seed over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about what it means to get a, a harvest and to be fruitful and to actually tell other people the good news. And, and all of that is possible. And all of that is stuff that we should want to do in our lives if we are Jesus followers. But we always have to start with this idea that it's the farmer who makes all of this happen. He planted the seed in our hearts to start with. He has grown us to where we are now. And he's given us things both physically in our lives that maybe we never thought we would have. And he has produced fruit spiritually in our lives that there's probably a time where we never thought that would happen for us. And we always have to give glory to God. And remember that if we're going to be fruitful... It's the farmer who plants the seed. And he's the one who does the work. And he's the one who gets the credit and the glory. This story is, is a really great story that Jesus tells. But if we get lost in being fruitful, we will forget that God is the one who does the work. So the question maybe you need to wrestle with this morning is, no matter where you are in your journey, are you still giving credit and glory to God? Things may not be great for you right now. And, and maybe that's an encouragement for you to go, hey, spend time with God, give glory to God, know that he's in control and he's going to deliver you from this difficult time. Or maybe you're in a place where things are going really well. And I, I, will, I will tell you, the past couple months, and I was talking to somebody this morning, they asked me how, how I was doing, and I, I said, great. I'm, and it almost sounds like I'm being um, like sarcastic when I say it, but I, I really am. I'm personally in a good place where I feel like God is doing a lot in my life. And I can't tell you how, how easy it is sometimes to, to forget that he's the one that's pulling me through this time. And look, I know that there's going to be some valleys in my future along the way, and I'm aware of that. But I, I want to be as aware of God's goodness and glory 
and I want to be as dependent on God in a time where I'm doing great as I will be when I know a valley's going to hit and as I have been when I've been through valleys in my life before. And this is the challenge for us, is to live our lives, good and bad, constantly pointing to God. He's the one that gave me water in the middle of the desert. He's the one that gave me this house. He's the one that delivered me from slavery. He's the one that delivered me from my own sin and darkness. To live our lives in a way that continues not to point the finger at us and our accomplishments and our own glory, but says, no, I'm doing really great because of what God has done in my life. The story does not happen without the farmer. And goodness doesn't happen in our life without God's grace and his presence. Uh, Let's pray.